A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Welcome to another Fight Night on Talk Sport with me, Gareth A. Davis, and Adam Catterall, my trusty colleague at Fight Night. For this week, we started by catching up with Eddie Hearn on the situation with Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk, and also the discussions ongoing between Tyson Fury and his guy, Dillian White, for their WBC heavyweight fight, hopefully, which will all take place in March or April. Here's Eddie. Just wanted to ask you, first of all, um, where are you with the Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk talks at the moment? Um, I mean, there's not much to talk about other than where it's going to take place and when. So, you know, there was a lot of conversations, as you know, around step aside and, you know, this idea and that idea. And, and we've kind of, or we got to the point where time had, had run thin and, and probably AJ's patience had run thin and talking about something he didn't really want to do anyway. And now we move forward with the planning for that rematch. I expect the fight to take place in April. Um, my preference is for that place to take uh, that fight to take place back in the UK at Spurs or at Wembley. Um, and, you know, we'll make sure that Team Usyk are happy with that. I, I feel that Team Usyk, who are good, genuine people, know they have a responsibility to rematch AJ. They're happy to do so. They believe they're big favourites in the rematch as well. They think they can actually do a better job by the sounds of some of their interviews. So, And so do we. And so does AJ. I think he can do a better job. So um, our plan really is probably by the end of this month to have that date locked in. What's the purse split on the, on the second fight? Is that agreed? It is agreed, thank you. But you're not talking about it at the moment. It's pretty, it, it's, you know, I don't want to talk about the uh, confidential contract, but it's pretty standard uh, around what you would expect for that fight. And it's a lot of people talk about rematch clauses. Right now, Alexander Usyk is very happy with the rematch clause that he signed to fight Anthony Joshua. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's not just about sometimes uh, thinking about your own fighter and, and, you know, protecting his best interest, but sometimes as, as, Team Usyk were more than happy to do. They wanted to sign a rematch clause on those kind of terms because obviously he's going to make a lot of money for that fight. And there's always the old adage, isn't there? Beat him once, beat him twice. And, and that's that's how they feel. They feel very confident about this fight. AJ 
we assume is going to take a new team, a new training team to take him into this fight? Yeah, I think uh, you saw his interview yesterday where he talked about the addition of, of new trainer or trainers in this camp. There's been a lot to think about. And, you know, I think don't with AJ, certainly what you see on social media doesn't represent what's actually going on behind the scenes in terms of the hard work. You know, and it's always a risk going into a fight with a new team. But it's more of a risk going into a fight when you don't believe in yourself or you don't believe in your preparation. So I'm comfortable with where he's at. Again, with camp almost imminent, you will see those changes and, and I guess he'll make an official announcement about his, his setup uh, when that begins. Bringing into play the Dillian White-Tyson Fury negotiation at the moment, um, step aside has gone for Joshua um, or could, could it still be there if White and Fury doesn't play out yeah, I mean, I think that um, the, the Dillian White order in the WBC kind of slowed down those step-aside talks. And I can't tell you that was going to happen, but, you know, it was, it was a conversation I was willing to have on behalf of Anthony, not that one he was willing to, to have at that point. Um, but certainly Dillian White's inclusion in that mix does make that, that whole procedure much more difficult. And we'll see how that plays out. Monday purse bids are due. For White and Fury, presumably that just goes ahead on Monday in spite of all this arbitration that's going on in the background. Well, I think, you know, that's one for the WBC. That I, I would, I'm, I'm not sure whether that, that first bid goes ahead on Monday because there will be a procedure where Dillian White will appeal, you know, either via the, the WBC or via the, the, the arbitration or via the court regarding that split. So do you you wait until that field takes place before the first bid go ahead because you know it all becomes very messy at that point. Whenever the first bid goes ahead, we will be bidding and we will be bidding very aggressively for that fight. Do you think it should be a 60-40 split or a, or a 75-25 split? Well, the, ma the maximum split for an interim champion is 55-45. Yeah. So that's extremely aggressive because you have to look at the situation. Tyson Fury is a huge name you know, making a lot of money. But Dillian White is also a big name. You know, he's making a lot of money. He's filled the O2 on several occasions. He's boxed on pay-per-view on several occasions. It's one of, well, it's the biggest fight in the division outside of Usyk and, and AJ for Tyson Fury. March the 26th is when Bob Arum and Frank Warren have said that Tyson Fury, they think, will fight again or next. Um, they think it'll be in the UK. That's where he's headed. Is there a prospect of that being uh, White and, and Fury on the 20, March 26th, or is that just not enough time? You've got to win the first bid first. <laughs> you know, I mean, if we win the first bid, we'll do the fight when we want to do the fight or, and where we want to do the fight. But, you know, March 26th is achievable in terms of preparation for the fighters, but it's also that we don't know how it's going to ensue, you know, and I think that it's going to be interesting to see over the next week or so what happens. You're an incredible schedule coming up with a range of fights all over the world. Uh, spell it out for us. Well, I mean, firstly, it's a real mix between the US and the UK. Of course, February the 5th, massive opportunity for Liam Smith fighting Jesse Vargas, former two-weight world champion in Phoenix. And that's Quadras against Rungasai for the world title as a co-main event there. The week after, we're finally bringing the miracle man, Daniel Jacobs, uh, over to the UK to fight John Ryder in a massive fight 
back at Alexandra Palace. We've just finished up the darts there. Great venue. We haven't been, I don't think I've been to Ali Pali for boxing since Audley Harrison against Michael Sprott. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, that a, a long, long time ago. And uh, brilliant to be back there. Do you believe that if one of Amir Khan or Cal Brook win decisively um, in their fight in February, that they may call out Conor Ben for a big fight here? I think it depends how they look. You know, I think both guys have got it in their mind that this is their last fight. But definitely Amir has. Do you know what I mean? You know, when I'm looking at the training and I'm watching a couple of the interviews that I've seen, Kel looks like he's actually got the bit between his teeth. And Amir looks like if it doesn't happen, he's not really that fussed. Which, you know, when you've got two guys that are at the end of the road and one's got more desire than the other, it's quite a big advantage. I think if Kel looked good in winning, and I think he's the favourite because of what I've seen. 2021, got to say, in all the years I've covered boxing, ended up being one of the great years in boxing in spite of COVID. When you look back on the year and you audited it, it was unbelievable. In 2022, huge as your empire is now growing, what's the fight you'd most like to see happen in 2022? I think it's always going to be difficult to not want to see AJ against Fury, to be honest with you. Like world titles, undisputed titles, whatever, you know, that's one that I would always love to see. I really want to see George Cambosis against Devin Haney for the undisputed lightweight world championship. Um, you know, I want to see Dillian White get his shot at the world heavyweight title. Something personal to me, I want to see Katie Taylor fight Amanda Serrano, which we look like we're on the verge of getting now. There's, there's so many fights. And I truly believe we'll get a better 2022 than 2021, which will be difficult because it was a fantastic year. That last fight that he mentioned there, the uh, Serrano-Taylor fight, that one really excites me because I think there's an opportunity there to be a bit of a game changer. That could be the one where maybe we push forward three-minute rounds for uh, elite female fighters. Well, we know that there's a huge Puerto Rican community and a huge Irish community uh, in New York, in New York, New York, and um, it's going to be a packed arena, an incredible atmosphere. I'm sure they'll stack the card with a number of female fights and, and great men's fights as well, Ed. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a... It's kind of an end game fight, in my view, for for Katie Taylor. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm in the I'm in the group where I see her raging bell, if I can put it that way, declining a little bit. She's become she's slowing down. Much more perspicacious about the way she fights. Much much cleverer, shrewder. That you know that that that, that flaming hand speed that she has, and that those those lightning. Um, punches she picks them a little bit more carefully now when she's ahead for a minute and a half in a round she'll circle the ring and we're seeing that more and more. we're seeing a lot of young women with with a great tensile strength in their early 20s coming up against katie who's now 35 and you know it's a big fight for amanda serrano what she's seven weight world champion extraordinary name not a, not a name that, that a lot of our listeners will know but it's a brilliant matchup and you know with that and the likes of clarissa shields and and savannah marshall matching up um, probably later this year on the Sky platform mm. with Boxer. It, it's terrific. and I mean, it's one of the great pleasures in this last two years is seeing, you know, in this pit weird period that we've all been living, is seeing the growth of women's boxing. Well, great stuff there from Eddie. And then a very young promoter aspiring towards Eddie Hearn, Ben Shalom, joined us to tell us about his great setup for the beginning of the year with some terrific fights coming up in February and 
March. Ben, welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? I can't believe I'm back on here. What do you mean, man? You love being on here, sunshine. That's a positive way, not a negative way. (laughs) Oh, God. I'm very well. How are you, you too? Listen, we're very well. You won't be getting yourself in any bother tonight, mate. We'll be... uh, Well, Well, let's see. Let's let's see see if we get himself into bother. Yeah, let's see if we get him into some bother. Happy New Year. Happy New Year Year to you as well, mate. Uh, Listen, from a promoter uh, point of view, how frustrating is this particular period of time? Obviously, the British Boxing Board of Control uh, of... Of stop boxing in British uh, on British soil. Uh, I know that you had a, a show, obviously, booked for the back end of January, and you've had mm. to push that back. How, how frustrating have you found this period? It is frustrating. I think all sports are in the same boat. My, you know, my gut feeling was let's let the government deal with the safety, and we'll carry on with the sport as long as we can. Um, obviously, the board have decided one way, and you know they've been good to me over the past couple of years. So have to respect what they're doing and they're doing the best they can for the sport but obviously it's frustrating but I think for the fighters more than anyone they're they're the ones raring to go they had a lot of problems 12 18 months ago so to have any more delays is difficult but you know fingers crossed from February the 1st we'll be back to normal obviously there was only one show for us right at the back end there so it's frustrating but we're looking forward to a big February and fingers crossed I don't think it will be the British Boxing Board that stop anything in February. It's going to be it's going to be low, down to local governments now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, presumably, Ben, the 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 fight in January anyway, with no crowds allowed by Wales indoors, might have um, meant that you would have had to move that fight anyway. Yeah, I think um, yeah, Wales are particularly strict. I mean, you know, Adam was reading out the schedule there. The problem we've got is we're dealing with three separate governments. And so yeah, we've, yeah, got, true. we've got we've got the big fight in Wales, which for us it's, it's it's so much of it is about Liam Williams and his adoring fans and going back there and having Eubank go into the cauldron. And then the whole point for Josh Taylor when we got the Sky Deal was how can we bring him back to Scotland? I mean, he unified world titles in front of no nobody, and we saw mm. sort of what that takes away from it. So I think we've got three huge events, and obviously Carnbrook right back in England that that demands huge crowds and so it's difficult but we will work around it and I think you know the three sellout event, events I think all the crowd now all the fans know that whether it's moved back a week whether it's changed slightly the fight is going to go ahead but those three in particular I think the fighters themselves want the crowd and, and that's the most important thing and there's certain fights that can go on behind closed doors but I wouldn't suggest those three mm. Listen, the fights that are there that for, for fans anyway, from a, whether you're consuming that in the arena or you're consuming that at home through Sky, yeah. um, is extremely exciting. It's a solid start to the year for, from you, from yourselves, and it's been yeah. a, it's been a solid start to your tenure with Sky because every single week or every couple of weeks there seems to be some new talent that you are acquiring. Obviously, this week Chris Congo became one of. Uh, those fighters that you've uh, that you've acquired, what what? How easy is it to acquire that elite level talent uh, at the moment, Ben? Because everybody will be after the same type of characters, guys yeah. that are coming out of the Olympics and what have you. How easy is it to acquire them and get them attracted to what you are doing in the vision that you are taking uh, boxer with Sky? I think at the start it was much more difficult. Um, we were obviously very unproven coming in to the Sky Sports deal. I think. People forget our first show was October 2nd of last year. So sort of the progress we've made in the past two, three months has been unbelievable. It's it's almost hard to keep up. But I think fighters are now coming to the show, seeing the shows that we're putting on, 
um, seeing the schedule that we've got, seeing how we treat our fighters, seeing the plans that we've got for our fighters, perhaps seeing what we've done as well for fighters that have been on the fringes, whether it's Riappor not getting his opportunities or mm. Savannah Marshall not getting his opportunities or even Huey Fury, and that's starting to attract other fighters. And obviously, the obvious... Um, the, the quality that everyone knows is we've got Sky Sports, which is probably the most proven platform for boxing in the country. And so it's, it, it was harder at the start. And I think now it's almost controlling it, making sure we're being selective with the fighters that we want to attract and that we want to build and, and making sure that they fit the values we have and making sure long-term we think they can, they can become world champions. So it's getting easier and easier. And I think more, what's more hard is, is turning down the ones that you know, perhaps you can't fit in because there's a lot of talent out there now in, in British boxing and in, in so many different weight divisions. It's a great it's a great time for the fans, but it's just difficult to, to prioritise which ones. Who uh, who will you be announcing next? <laughs> We've got some big announcements in the next week or so. Really? Oh, well, if you've got that information now, you might as well do it now, Ben. You might as well. <laughs> We've we've done I mean we've done so well with the Olympians so far obviously with Fraser Clark coming in the Olympian medalist Caroline Dubois was the one that we really wanted I think everyone really wanted almost could be the future of the female sport in her and so hopefully one or two more Olympians in the next week or okay, so you'll okay. hear about so, 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 so if so, I say Ben so, if I said Ben Whitaker yeah would would that be something that might be on Ben's the radar Ben's gone very quiet yeah he has. We love Ben Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> what a signing that would be, by the way. What a signing that would be. Ben Whitaker would be a tremendous yeah. signing. Anyway, Gareth, I interrupted you. Well, 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 I was going to throw out some more names. Um, <laughs> I, 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 He's going to hate coming on this show, mate. I, t- I, tell you, I, I tell you a very good signing, given that you've got Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Shields would be Lauren Price in the mix. <laughs> there we go. But, so there's two two reveals from you. To, we, but the thing is, we, we're tricky. We're what we, we're what we we're what you call tricky. He's not so when back you on, come, oh listen, we love you on the show. All right, don't don't. <laughs> we're not taking anything from. No, like you say though, you know the the, the, the extraordinary talent coming out of the Olympics yeah, is outstanding. It, you can cherry pick people who have really come through the ranks, and um, like you say, Benny, it, it's a great time for you guys what i wanted to ask was do you have any idea um and it may not be at all within your remit is anthony joshua's contracts up what's your theory do you think and i'm just asking your theory here do you think he will go with sky box office in his next fight yes i do i think um I think we've seen AJ try and be as loyal as possible to everyone involved, and that's perhaps come to an end on the training side, and things might not have worked out. But I think he recognises it's still the best platform for him. It's still the best platform for everything he does commercially. It's still the platform that's going to generate the most money. And uh, yeah, I think I think that that marriage will continue. Um, obviously, with Matchroom, and just to go back to the point on the Olympians, it's it's you've got to be careful as well as the promoters. They're the first draft picks, but yeah. you know, it's also about finding the talent outside of it. And you look in the history, and it's it's not always the Olympians that go on to become world champions. I mean, we yeah. picked up Adam Azim, you know, almost unknown two months ago, and probably is you know one of our most talented fighters that we have. And he's a 19 year old that never even mm. never even thought about going to the Olympics. So it is getting that balance right. Obviously, the Olympians come with an extra an extra price tag. So. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, no, it's it's amazing the talent that's out there. I've I've got um, a task for you for for this yeah. for this year, Ben. Right, I've got uh, a bit of a bee in my bonnet going forward this year. I'm trying my very very best to make as much noise. Uh, for parity in uh, in female elite female fighting with the boys, I want to get to the situation where somebody uh, puts their head above the parapet and uh, and and makes a fight or gets a fight sanctioned for for the elite girls, which is a which is for three minute rounds. And I uh, mm. we've just been speaking about Serrano versus Taylor, and I think mm. that there's obviously there's the obvious fight for you guys that you're hopefully going in the direction of between Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall. A fight of that magnitude, I just think warrants something game changing properly, where we can s- stick a line in the sand and say this is the moment that that something massive happened in the sport, and the girls got three minute rounds. I hundred percent agree. I think the, the female boxing's come on so much now that I can see why it was at two minutes, maybe a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But the talent that's around the girls that you just mentioned, Serrano, Taylor, Shields, and Savannah, it's a different sport to what it was, and I think that has to be respected. What I would say is, I still think at a certain level it should be two minutes, and I still Agreed. think it, it provides great excitement. The two-minute round sometimes it means you're going hell for leather, and you know maybe in the less important fights it could it could be a little bit boring to watch at a certain level yeah. because I do like the two minutes I do like the explosiveness that it demands but for those sort of fights I think they're so compelling and they're so intriguing that yeah I think the fighters deserve the three minutes and so do the fans I think we we also here have to just draw back a minute and say what we want but I also think we have to look at it both scientifically and journalistically and be meticulous about this because I think the last tranche of research goes back to 2013 uh, with regard to women two minute rounds and ten two minute rounds and I think what we really need from somewhere is a very strong body of medical work scientific and medical work just to assure us that and, and th- I'm not being sexist here at all. No, you're right. That, that physically, three minutes are right for That's women. A- and that maybe 12 rounds or maybe three... Maybe we move to three minutes, ten rounds first of all. But that we would definitely... Rather like in mixed martial arts, where we see where, where women do the same, but we have uh, championship fights of five five-minute rounds, aren't they? Uh, headline mm-hmm. cards of five five-minute rounds, where we only see it in those championship rounds to begin with. But there can't mm-hmm. be any, in my view, because we have to look at safety the whole time. We can't experiment with people's mm-hmm. lives, and I want to see the medical research first. Well, you, yeah. you're. You're 100 percent right. That, that the medical research that you're referring to there, it's old. It is old, and it refers to it needs to horse be. racing, and it yeah. refers to yeah. rugby. It doesn't actually refer to compact sports. You've just yeah. mentioned it there. Mixed martial yeah. arts. We've got the research there. Let's 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 team up. Let's let's get the proper science there, and let's get it done. Ben, there's your challenge, mate. This year, that's what I want. I want a world title fight, three minute rounds, Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall. Can we do it? Go yeah, on. good man. Yeah. Can, can I? I, I have... But just to say, I don't want to lose the two minute rounds. I think no. I, think I agree yeah, with you. I completely agree with you, mate. There's definitely a development, but there are definitely fights where you think, oh, this round's really heating 100%. up, something's going to happen here, and bing, the bell goes. Um, yeah. And I've got a task for you. Oh, in, this is great. In, well, it's a question rather than a task. <laughs> um, you know, you're a young promoter. You're, you, you know, you've done an outstanding job so far in an incredible position. Look what yeah. Eddie Hearn has done in 10 years, by the way. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you aspire to be there as well. What would you most like to look back on as having achieved in 2022, Ben, as we start the year? I think it's, to be honest, to just look, does Aaron have a massive budget and what they're doing in the sport in terms of the consistency of fights is phenomenal. I think for us, it's, a, it's just to establish Sky 
sports as, as the place to as, as the place where the big fights happen, where the big British fights happen, and that's what we're trying to start with. And what you can see with perhaps Josh Taylor and mm-hmm. the Eubanks and the Carnbrook fights, we want to we want to focus on on the UK and bringing about big night Saturday night boxing and making the fight nights bigger. I think we're at a stage now where we can really start to flex and we can really start to, you know. Um, bring more world champions to the stable, more headliners to the stable, and so it's going to be a breakout year for for us. We're completely sure. Last year was we sort of caught the back two three months, but you know the confidence that we've got from the past two three months should be should mean we've got a, a huge year ahead. And I think you know having our first two three box office events this year, and you know having perhaps the Clarissa Savannah fight is is the most exciting one for me just because of what it means within the sport and. Mm. For me, it is bigger than Serrano Taylor. I think it's a, I think it's a bigger fight in terms of, in in terms of interest on both sides of the mm-hmm. of the pond. And and yeah, I, I think um, it's gonna it's gonna be a big year, but hopefully a big year for boxing in general after a, a difficult eighteen months. Mm. Well, you're starting well in February, mate. We're happy with that. Yeah, everything there looks good, and we're looking forward to those fights and getting underway. See, it wasn't as painful, was it? Coming <laughs> on the show with us this week. No, I'll see if anyone tells me off tomorrow. <laughs> Well, that was Ben Shalom. And next, we had another promoter, Hall of Famer, the legend Frank Warren, who pulled no punches in his views about the Boxing Board of Control suspending boxing in January in the UK, and also on his raft of fighters, including what's up next for Tyson Fury and how that plays out with Dillian White. We have got lots of positive things to talk about, obviously, looking ahead to 2022. Got to start, sadly, on a negative, obviously, massive disappointment uh, for Callum Johnson, one of your guys, obviously, who's had to recently pull out of a world title fight next weekend against Joe Smith Jr. because he tested positive for COVID. Obviously, heartbreak news for him. Oh, very much so. You know, um, he's there's somebody's family had it and he, he informed us and then the following day he tested positive. Um, and it's a, I mean, it's a real blow for him. It was a, it was a voluntary defence by, by Joe Smith and uh, obviously he's now got another opponent for next week. So, mm. We've got to see if we can resurrect the fight afterwards, and hopefully we we can do that. Well, fingers crossed, obviously, from Calm's point of view, that that can happen. Um, but regarding the the situation with the light heavyweight division and the WBR sanctioning body in particular, you would think there would be a mandatory call on that championship at some point in the not-too-distant future, which, again, this isn't great for Callum, but it wouldn't necessarily be bad news for Anthony Yard, who's currently the number one and one of your fighters. Well, you're, you're absolutely right, Adam. There is a mandatory being called, and uh, and he it, it is it, it will be obviously against um, against Anthony. So uh, if it is called, then obviously that's not going to be good for for Callum. But having said that, I, I really do think that um, I thought Callum had a good chance to beat Smith, and I certainly think Anthony has. If Anthony was to beat him, what a great uh, domestic fight we could make between the two of them for the title. If, as I say, if he came through against Callum, it'd be a great fight for the fans. You're playing with our dreams now, Frank. Making big domestic world title fights like is, that is, this year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is there, would there be any chance of getting that in the UK as well, Frank? What, uh, what Anthony against... Smith, Let's say yeah, Joe I've, Smith defends and, and he's yeah, successful. Yeah, yeah, I've already spoke to, to... I've been talking to Bob Bob Aram, who promotes him about that, and, and, and I think we've got a, a very good chance of doing that. Fantastic. Mm. Um, a little earlier on uh, this evening, we've been speaking to various people, one of which was uh, was Eddie Hearn, and we were talking about the situation uh, with the heavyweight 
uh, purse bid, which is coming up this week between Tyson Fury and obviously uh, Dillian White. And everybody's fully aware of, obviously, the splits that the WBC have put forth. Uh, the 80-20 split, I know that you spoke about it yourself to, in various other interviews, but Eddie, in that conversation that we had earlier on, uh, stated that they were going to start an appeals process in order to uh, have that split looked at. What's your thoughts on that? And where, and do you think that an appeal process um, would be adhered to by the WBC? And do you think that 80-20 split will be changed? Uh, first of all, the first bit has been pushed back by a week now. Okay. Uh, that was that was done today. So the purse bid will be um, seven days after. So it's I think it's next um, Monday week or Tuesday week. Um, as regarding yeah, the split, he's of course they're entitled to appeal. I don't think they get anywhere because um, purse bids are based upon when when you get these situations. The purse bids are based upon boxers' previous earnings. Mm-hmm. Tyson's uh, last uh, purse that was lodged with the uh, WBC. BC, was 20 million and Dillian White, White's purse was 30. So, sorry, it was 300,000. And that's why it's at the split it's at. Mm. Um, you know, it's common, you know, situation, for example, uh, in the last year, I can think, or last probably couple of years now, is when uh, Canelo fought against um, his man against uh, his manager at the time was going to be um, uh, Billy Joe Saunders. But he's just done a deal. There was no way he was going to get any 45% or anything of, of a person because, uh, you know, or making a fight like that because the, the, the guy who generates the most money out the, of out the two of them is Canelo. Anybody fights Canelo, if, even if they're an interim champion, are never going to get 45% of the money. And certainly when you've got a heavyweight who's generating the money that Tyson's generating, there's never going to be a split of 80 20. And that is not something that's new. This has been this way for, for many, many years, I would say over 25 years at least, by most organi- most of the organisations operate that way. So that's what it is. Um, and they can make their appeal. Nobody will, 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 would in any way, um, uh, from our perspective, would, would, would say you can't do that. But the fact of the matter is I don't think it'll make any difference. Frank, um, people listening... Um, will have always heard about purse bids and, you know, they might not know the workings of these things in the background. You know, in some ways it's a gamble. How does it work in the background? How do you stack up the figures? How do the numbers stack up? Is it based on how you think it will sell? Could you just kind of play that out and how you, because this is a big one, isn't it? This is a big purse bid. You've been involved in so many down the years. Well, purse bid, you just look at the fight, the two fighters involved. You put your value on it, what you think uh, it'll generate at the gate, what you think it'll generate on pay-per-view, and you put your bid in. Each promoter uh, uh, do his do his maths and his homework, and put in what they feel the fight's worth, and that's what will happen. Pay-per-view is the most honest form of uh, a fighter's worth. That's how much people you know they buy it. Mm. Whatever the number is, that's what the fight is actually worth. Is this a thirty million pound fight? A fifty million pound fight? What do you, if you were guesstimating, what do you believe it is? I'll let you know after the purse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a feeling as I was eking out those words that I was heading down a dead end street. Actually, Frank, with, yeah, it's, 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 an, it's another cold you went <laughs> With you just saying that the, the purse bid's now been pushed back from this Tuesday to next week, does that give you enough time? to maybe do a deal before the purse bid? Because that's a possibility as well. And has well, any is, negotiation it, happen? Well, it is. I mean, obviously, we'd always be negotiating to try and do something. Um, and, 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 and you know, at the end of the day, boxing, like 
any other professional sport is a business. So you just try to see if you can do a deal between the two fighters. If you can't, then the then the end result is the first bid. But it gives us another week to try and do something, and we'll see where we go with it. If you lose the purse bid, then just again for the listeners, not un- trying to understand this, if you lost the purse bid, obviously you don't want to lose the purse bid, you've said that you want Tyson out on March the 26th, you want it in the UK. Um, if you lose the purse bid, can they then move the date of the fight, say, to late April or um, to a different... Well, obviously, they can move it to where they want, but would you, could they move it to whatever date they want to? And is there a limit on that date they can state? The, the, if it goes to Perspid, the winning bidder has the right to promote the fight whenever he likes because he has put in the... Or she has. They, they've put in the, the highest bid. Um, but there is a there is a cut-off point as to when the fight will actually be able to, uh, you know, when the fight has to go on by, and that's normally the, the case. So it, it, I'm not sure what the actual time limit. It, it may be 90 days or something like that. Isn't 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 White Fury really, if it's promoted properly, a massive outdoor stadium fight in the UK? I mean, as as White has said, and I don't disagree with him, and obviously you were around during this. Um, Frank Bruno versus Lennox Lewis was a massive fight in Cardiff, wasn't it? I mean, an amazing, huge stadium. Um, c- could it could it push you into going for a massive outdoor stadium if it was a little bit later? Well, um, with a great respect to Dylan, he's 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 not Frank Bruno, <laughs> and he's not Lennox Lewis. Um, for, it's a good fight. There's no doubt it's a good fight. But the the attraction is Tyson Fury. He is the WBC champion far as I'm concerned and he hasn't defended his title ever in the UK and he mm. hasn't fought here for must be two and a half years 2018 yeah, mm. yeah. there you go well that's, that's three years now so for me that's the attraction of course it's, if we can get it in an outdoor stadium we'll do that but we're limited to where we can put that fight on in an outdoor stadium because of the time of year and there's only one that's got a, a roof on it and that's uh, Cardiff other than that there isn't any venue, um, you know, at this time, or if it's March, at that time of year, that you'd be putting an outdoor fight on. Otherwise, it'd be either too cold, cold, or you you could get weather like we've had today, where it's you know continually peeing it down. So <laughs> um, you have to be realistic. Uh, Frank, I've been very vocal about the fight that I want to see in the heavyweight division being Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. I'm sure there's a lot of fans that that feel the same way. How confident are you? Um, I know there's a few fights that have to play out in order to maybe get to that point, but how confident are you that we might see an undisputed heavyweight championship fight this year? I think you will see it. I'm quite confident you'll see something happen this year. And it's the fight, it's, you know, it's the top of my wish list to see that fight. It's a great fight. Uh, you know, there were moves to try and make it happen. And, uh, and that was, and that took for fighters to step aside and it would take, it would take, um, uh, AJ to, to 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 sign up to it, and it would take Dillian White to sign up to it for two fights. So th- those obstacles obstacles could have been could have been dealt with. Then uh, you know, then 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 uh, we'd all get what our wishes, what every any boxing fans wishes to see the big one. Now, having said that, you know, the Dillian White fight is is, is for UK's perspective is the next big next big fight there for Tyson. Frank, come. Um... Obviously, we've spoken on the show tonight about, um, you know, um, what we're going to speak later as well about Joshua potentially. I just wanted to ask your opinion on this. You know, he's going to look for a new trainer for the Usyk fight. 
the, the rematch. Um, you've been around long enough to, to, to give your view on this. Um, it, given what happened in that first fight, do you give Joshua, under a new training team, uh, a, a good chance or any chance or a slim chance or none of, of beating Alexander Usyk in this rematch? Because we all want to see Fury Joshua in the UK. We all want to see it. It's a huge fight. It crosses so many spectrums. It's so mainstream. Um, what's your view? Can he do this? Look, my view has been his training, you know, from a training perspective, that he should have changed, changed trainers a long time ago. Um, you know, he's he's been quite rocky in a few fights. After the you know the first Ruiz fight, he's been clipped and gone out. You know, looked like going a couple of times in fights. And and if it weren't for the fact that um, that bell went in the last round, and they were about to throw in the towel anyway. Um, I think he would have got stopped and I think it's quite telling what Usyk said afterwards that he fought mm. to his trainer's um, instructions and that was to box him and not go for a knockout. Yeah. Now the next fight, um, I think that he, I think he'll be he'll be he'll be in trouble. You know, I don't see him. Uh, uh, he didn't use his physical attributes and his physical attributes are he's a much bigger man. He's got a longer jab. You know. Longer reach. Um, he didn't use any of that. He just didn't do it. And he was getting out jabbed by the smaller man who, who was doing it on the outside and not getting underneath Joshua's jab and working inside. He was doing it all from the outside. And I don't care. You know, at the end of the day, trainers can refine certain things and so forth. I don't know if anybody can do it, but one thing trainers can't do, they can't put muscles on chins. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, Frank joined us again for another part and gave us the lowdown on all his fighters. It's a difficult, difficult rematch, isn't it? In any way, shape, or form. For it is a difficult. I mean, he's going to look. First of all, he's not Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz. I mean, that fight. I, I didn't know what I was. You know, I was shocked at that fight with Andy Ruiz. Um, the first fight and the second fight. You know, I've said it many times that Ruiz. You know, looked like he trained in his larder, and he looked like he was waiting through custard at, at one time. The difference between Andy Ruiz 
And Joshua did, did well in the second fight, but the other guy just wasn't at the races, not not through lack of training. The one thing about Usyk, he's a consummate professional, and he's trained a Lomachenko's father. is a great trainer. Mm. So, you know, he's going to fancy it even more. He knows he can hurt him. He wobbled him earlier on in the fight. He wobbled him in the last round, and he knows he can outbox him, and he knows he can hurt him. So he's going to go into that fight feeling... Mm. That he's he's the better fighter, which he was on the night. I remember he's also in the Lions Den. He was in that. I mean, you know, he was. It weren't like it was, you know. He, he went to a, 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 you know, it was it was in in a neutral situation. I mean, sixty three thousand or whatever it was fans in at Spurs. They were all Joshua supporters, mm. and he wasn't phased by it at all. That tells you what he's like, and yeah. uh, as as a man, and I, I I think Joshua's got a long long way to go. If he's getting another, if he's get, getting another trainer on board, and all these rumours are true, in an ideal world, I would, if I was him, I'm sure his trainer would say, is uh, have a warm up fight before and you know, get used to each other. But who knows? I mean, so much money at stake, and you know, maybe he feels he want to go straight back into the fight. I've got no idea. Mm. Um, before we talk about some of your other fighters, just a quick last one on Tyson Fury. Um, as you know, myself and Gareth cover a bit of the UFC as well. Uh, this week I've uh, had a conversation with Francis Ngannou. He fancies a dance with your boy. And according to social media, Tyson Fury fancies a dance with him. What did you make of all that this week? Well, you know, Tyson's his own man. He fancies it, he'll do it. I mean, he's done the wrestling. Was it WWE? He's done the wrestling. Uh, you know, he just wants to get out, be out and be busy. And if he can... You know, if they, if, they, if they get into a, if it's going to be a, uh, I don't know what rules it'll be under UFC or boxing, but if it gets it on, it'll be huge. You can imagine that. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised, Frank, if by next Christmas or or um, that Tyson Fury would be at Ali Pally doing topless darts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm in for that. I'm in, for I'm that. in too. Yeah. yeah. Um, listen, Frank. I've I've lost count of how many um, fighters you've got at currently at number one in various weight categories that are in prime position to do something quite special this year. Uh, I'm just sticking in heavyweight for a second because of the way that things are developing with maybe certain fighters saying no to certain eliminators and what have you, and the way that we all want the the top tier of the Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk fight to hopefully materialise. Do you think there's a possibility this year that the WBO might call an interim title fight between Joe Joyce and Joseph Parker? I, 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 they may well do that. Uh, Joe, at the moment, as you're probably aware, he's broke his wrist. He was due to fight in February. He broke his wrist. I don't think he's going to fight till probably May now. Um, but they may well do that. And, uh, and from Joe's perspective, you know that won't be a problem. That'd be a fight. Certainly, we we would we would love to do that with Joseph. I mean, he's had a, he's a really good, nice guy. I've, I've I've met him quite a few times. He's mm. always in the dressing room with Tyson for his world title fights, and I think Tyson trained helped train him for his fight against Chisora recently. So yeah, that be that that's something that really would appeal to us. It's a great fight. That's a great fight. Um, also, obviously. With everything that's going on with Canelo at this moment in time, we think he might be going to cruiserweight. He's definitely going to light heavyweight. That then leaves a situation for, for Zach Parker. He's got himself to number one with the WBO in that weight division. What's the latest there? When, when can he be expected maybe to be called for, for a shot at World Honours? Well, it, it, Canelo, I, I don't know whether Canelo's going to fight again at super middleweight. Who knows? He's moving, like, on those reports, he's moving up to fight cruiserweight. And if he does, I think then he'll probably come down to light heavyweight again. Who knows? But in the meantime, there may be an interim fight uh, called for. 
Uh, there was talk of Andrade going up from middleweight to super middleweight. I see that pa- Paco Barcasel, mm. the president of WBO, put a tweet out saying that um, if that is the case, then they would want would, would uh, do an interim title fight between uh, Zach Parker and uh, Andrade. Wow, it's a tough mm. fight. It's a good mm. fight, and mm. everybody would buy into that. So Zach's in a good position. He's worked very hard. He's had. I think it's three fights with us now. He's looked. He's absolutely been a revelation for me, for me since he's been with us. I mean, I, I don't know how he ever got under the radar. I think he's one of the best best fighters out there, best British fighters out there. Mm. He's, he's done brilliantly for himself. And uh, and that, if that fight was to be made, then uh, then I don't think I don't think uh, Neil Marshy's manager and Zach would uh, have too much of a problem with it. Um, and if it isn't, then we go to the next guy if there's an interim fight. But he just wants to be busy. In Derby, they're opening a new arena. Um, we've we've got a date in there for April, which will be the first boxing date there. As you know, he comes from Derby. Yep. He's built quite a good following up on TV. He's had done good numbers on BT. Um, we want to start building a live audience with him. So we will be doing fights with him in Derby with a view to eventually getting him to... Uh, Derby, Derby County's uh, grounded, doing a big fight there with him. So he's exciting. And there's some domestic fights to be made with him. I mean, mm. I, I would have no job, no problem, I should say, him fighting, uh, for example, Eubanks. That would be a brilliant British fight, mm. all British fight. Love to do that one. Or Liam Smith, depends who wins the fight. Yeah. I'd, I'd make both of those fights in a heartbeat with him. Mm. Um, Frank, just to finish off, how how frustrating have you found um, this period here now in January with the British Boxing Board of Control not allowing uh, shows to go ahead for, for various reasons and obviously you having to delay getting guys out until February? Well, we were, we were, um, um, we were due to have a, a couple of shows on in, in um, January and we had two shows on in February. Um, they put this statement, uh, they, they sent a flyer out to all the license holders saying that they were shutting down boxing in January and I was extremely annoyed because it was done without any consultation of any of the license holders or promoters. It was arbitrarily done. Uh, I don't know based upon what information that they had that any other sport in this country's had because no other sport had shut down. Mm. They locked us down. Um, we and that, in that same flyer, it said they would they would come back at the end of the month and decide what to do in February. So we had to cancel our shows because how can we sell something that we don't even know is going to be on? Mm. And I wrote to them, and uh, and I, I, I telling them I was extremely annoyed. I've put or the, the word I put in there was extremely pissed off with what they'd done because first of all, from a you know to do that to our sport without even having any, you know, speaking to anybody about it is outrageous. Could you imagine the Premier League or, 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 or the rugby, rugby uh, union? Could mm. you imagine just shutting the sport down? We're not speaking to any of the clubs or the players' unions or anything. It just wouldn't happen. And it was badly handled. Also, the fact that we have, ins- it's hard to get insured for COVID anyway because of the premiums. But we can't claim any insurance back because the board shut us down. 
Mm. It, it, we can't even claim. So we've lost, you know, we, us personally at Queensbury, I don't know about other promoters, we've lost money. The small hall promoters have done the same. Yeah. I heard uh, Robert Smith, who's the general secretary on TalkSport a week ago or last week yeah. saying, They'd done it because it was going to. Uh, there was hardly any boxing in the first two weeks of January, which is true. And then they went on to say, and now they're going to allow boxing back on in February. I think that's in in, in response to my my um, letter to them. Um, and he, he he went on to say it was a circuit breaker. I mean, how can it be a circuit breaker? In what way is that a circuit mm. breaker for two weeks? Mm. It's ridiculous. It's the most imbecilic, ridiculous thing to do. And I, 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 as I say, I just don't understand where they're coming from. If they want to do, and they, they, they're, they're, the, the background is, was to help the NHS. If they want to help the NHS, what they should do is to insist that all boxers and people working in the venues, like the, the cornermen, uh, trainers, managers, etc., are vaccinated. Mm. You want to help the NHS, that's what you do. You want a circuit breaker, then that's what to do. Because I think in hospital, it's what, 80% of the cases in hospital are unvaccinated people. Yeah, I mean, we've got Robert Smith coming up next. and um, well, You should ask him. I did. No, well, well, I, I, spoke, I spoke to him yesterday, actually, um, mm. Frank, and, and his argument was that, um, and we'll hear him shortly, but his argument was there were only four shows that he knew about in in January. Um, that... well, what about the February? Then? He said, they, their flyer didn't say that. Their flyer said they'll, they'll, they'll come back to that after. So what are you supposed to do? How do I know I'm running a show in February when I mean I, we're now in what we're in we're in, we're just done the first week of January. How much time have I got to sell and promote a fight? The fighters are training. Mm-hmm. No one knows what's going on because no one's told anything and still had nothing from them. It's only a result of me sending to Charlie Giles, the chairman, uh, a, a, a message saying to him, "What on earth are you guys doing?" You've got no respect for any of the license holders. Why would you do this without consultation? It's outrageous. Yeah, it's it, totally outrageous. Mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. is that? How is why? The bottom line of this is why has boxing locked down when no other sport has? They keep they bang on about the doctors being needed for NHS, and I agree with that. But the doctors, any doctors, medical staff, paramedics, we pay for them. We don't take them away from the NHS, and they do it in their own time. They don't skive off work to do it. They do it in their own time. The same as they do at rugby, football, and other in other sports. The big question, exactly Frank, would have been if there'd been a big, big stadium fight, actually, um, with uh, 40,000 people going, would they have pulled it off, you know? Well, there were 60,000 uh, uh, every week going to various football yeah. grounds, mm, yeah. every match. Yeah. You, you, they ain't shut. They have no shut down rugby, mm. have they? They're not shutting down pop concerts. Mm. So it's ridiculous. I mean, that is a to- totally ridiculous argument. Football is going on, has been going on regularly during this latest outbreak of Omicron. They are trying their best and striving to ensure that these things that sport carries on. If there, and, and, I, and, I, and I, anybody tell me the dangers of COVID, I spent ten days in hospital with it last year so i know the dangers and i know what it does but the the, but but if no other sport is shutting down then what information do the boxing board have that no other sport in the uk is party to well we needed to get a reaction to frank warren's opinions and we caught up with robert smith 
General Secretary of the Boxing Board of Control, who told us all about why the Boxing Board of Control had decided to suspend boxing in January 2022. So, no boxing for the for the month of January. Now, the last time we spoke, I think you were going into a medical meeting. It was towards the end of the year. Yeah. Did it come out of that meeting? Um, it kind of was wasn't quite finalised, but it was certainly it was certainly discussed. But um, we've got another one tonight uh, to see where we go for February. Um, but it really, to be honest with you, there was a combination of a lot of things, really. Um, come, you know, we, we really opened up the sport in September when the small small hall show started again. Um, up until then, relatively scarce, the shows taking place were, were TV shows every month, which are relatively to control, etc. Then September, we obviously had a very, very busy period. October, November. November, we had 40 shows. I remember talking to you about that, 40 shows and... One weekend, I think we had 15 shows. Um, and then December was 27 shows. Now, we've never had we've never had 40 shows in November ever. And we've never, as far as I can remember, we've never done 27 shows in December, which December is ultimately two and a half weeks, three weeks, because obviously you don't run much in the last week of December. And we noticed in November the number of positives, COVID positives coming back were increasing quite alarmingly. And you'd expect that because um, there's more shows, there's more people making contact with each other, etc., and more testing. Um, but it got to the point in after the last weekend of December the 18th, the Manchester show, and then we had a show at Rainton Meadows that Phil Jeffries put on, that the positives coming out of that were well, alarming, is, uh, well, certainly a lot. Um, and we obviously, the doctors spoke to the doctor and a number of doctors going down as well. And really a combination of that and also the meetings just before Christmas with the doctors was that a lot of them were saying that the first three weeks of January are going to be very difficult. Um, and then a further co co correspondence with them was that the problem you're going to have if you run in January is that on the morning of a show, we're going to ring up and say, we can't make a show. You can't, you can't replace anybody. So there you're cancelling shows on the day. And January is generally a quiet month. I think we had, to begin with, we had four shows. I think I was talking about three shows at the end of it. So uh, we've lost three shows ultimately. Um, but I'm very confident after tonight's meeting, we'll start again in February. What about the, obviously there was a big show in Wales. Uh, Liam Williams and Chris Eubank Jr. scheduled for the 29th. Obviously that'll be put back. Was Wales' COVID situation an impact? In Wales, in Wales at the present time, there's no fans allowed anyway. That's right, yeah. So, so if that is in place anyway, and in that, I mean, I've spoken to John Rashews, who works obviously, you know, John very well, um, with regard to that event. And, um, you know, that, that is a fight, a contest that needs fans, ultimately. You know, I don't, I don't want to go back to... Uh, behind closed doors we we did it as a means to get boxing up and running but we don't want it anymore um and to 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 run that fight which well, a promoter's final choice but to run that fight with no fans would be a complete waste of a very very good contest so um you know i think they would have to make that decision anyway moving it back into february at least we are waiting in wales for the first minister to give us some instructions of what's happening in Wales. And I think that's the end of this week. Um, and we'll see where we are after that. But hopefully 
if they can get fans back in February in Wales, that'll be on in February. What have you made of the comments from one of the promoters, Frank Warren, notably, that that it was, he went as far as say it was incomprehensible and even incompetent by the yeah. board. But um, well, just slightly, dis- slightly disappointed because I don't genuinely want to make want to make comments about promoters show or something, something I'd ring them up and wouldn't put it out on social media, but that's his choice. Um, and I would not criticize him for that, but that's just not how I work. I think he would have been um, incompetent to ring up a promoter on the morning of the show and say, I can't run this show tonight because we haven't got medical cover. Mm. Uh, that would be incompetent, I believe. What we are doing, I think, is reasonable and is the right thing to do. We made everybody aware in December, uh, well, in, first of all, in November, that we had issues when so many shows were taking place. And then in December, that um, there could be a problem in January and that you should move your, event, move your events to a later month. And then obviously on the 1st of January, with a lot of discussions between Christmas and New Year, um, ultimately I had to bow, to bow to the advice of the doctors and stop the shows in September, in January. But we are talking a very few amount of shows. So you're very happy with having to do that and you've done the right thing, yeah? I'm not happy about to do it, but we, I'm happy we've done the right thing. Um, you know, you can see from the country um, how the country's been affected. Football's been affected. Uh, rugby's been affected. Every activity has been affected. Um, and if I could guarantee we would have the, ready, the right cover, um, medical cover, etc., then we wouldn't be doing this, but we can't guarantee it. In addition to that, um, we were losing a lot of contests on bills. There were promoters who had 10, 11 bouts on a bill to begin with, ended up with three or four. Um, you know, that's, and they put a lot of work into that, and we as a head office put a lot of work into that. Um, and then for, for nothing to happen, you know, it's frustrating as well. So, and we also, in November, although we run 40 shows, at one point we had 50 shows proposed, of which we lost 10, 20%. That's a lot, that's a lot of shows to lose. So, um, roughly 20%. So, 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 so this is a difficult decision to make, but if you're going to make it, January is as good a time as any. Um, finally, Robert, um, obviously we start 2022, we'll hopefully start at the beginning of February. Um, a year you're looking forward to? Are there things you're particularly looking forward to this year? Well, I think that bearing in mind what the sport has been through, um, 2021 was successful. Um, you know, the contests that took place, the shocks that took place, the results that happened, the performances of our boxers, etc., around the world. And if we can do that in 2021, I can't see any reason why we can't do that or even better in 2022. Um, and if you look at February alone, uh, if we can get Williams and Eubank on at the beginning of February, that's a great fight. You've got Amir Khan and Cal Brook. You've got Josh Taylor, Catterall. You know, we've got some cracking fights in February. Um, and also, you know, I know that Frank Warren has got some good fights up his, up his sleeve and Eddie Hearn has got some good fights. And on the small small hall shows, you know, there's some cracking contests there. So I don't see any reason why we can't be more successful this year. Well, that was Robert Smith there giving a fulsome answer to a lot of people's queries as to why there is an absence of boxing in 2022 in the first month 
of the year. Next up, Lawrence Coley joined me prior to the show for a pre-record. He was on his way to training, trying to find his way in his car, but told us how excited he is to be defending his World Cruiserweight title to the Polish fighter Michael Cieslak, and also his aspirations to fight people like Dillian White at heavyweight when he eventually steps up there. He also told us, forget Canelo coming up to Cruiserweight to fight someone like me. Have a listen to this from Lawrence. Packed you out early in 2022 enables you to perhaps have three fights this year. Yeah, that's the aim. A minimum, I like a three. Um, I saw Canelo last year. You know, pretty much unify in one year. Um, that will, will become undisputed in one year, and I, and I kind of look and say, why can't I do something similar? Um, so get this one, one and one well um, at the old arena, and then you know, but you know. All, all being well, but willing, you know, no injuries and no slip-ups. And then we go straight into unification two months after, and then we begin our onslaught, you know. If, if like, I'm able to have the unifications after unifications, then I'm all for it, you know. I'm all for, you know, continuing to make way and, you know, you know, pushing at this weight class, you know, because there are opportunities at, at, at heavyweight, which are obviously... Big. Oh, gosh, I messed up. That do come with their own um, dangers, but also they come with their rewards. So it's kind of like I, I need the unifications to keep me at this weight class because I've become world champion and I do love it. But there's still so much more for me to go on it. Oh, I took the wrong turn. Yeah, um, there's still so much for me to go on and do. Do you do you think that by next year you'll be up at Bridger or cruiserweight uh, or heavyweight? I think in 2023, um, definitely, um, I'll be, at some point that year, I'll move up to heavyweight. I'll be 30, I think, uh, yeah, 30 in 2023. So I'm, I'll be getting to that age, you know, experience level, you know, depending on the fights I'm able to have this year where I've done everything that I can and need to do at, at, at cruiserweight. And it's time to see if, you know, my agility and my, you know, awkward style and boxing IQ and punch power are going to be able to, you know, replicate what I've done at cruiserweight, at heavyweight. Um, only one way to find out, and that's to, that's to mix it up. But right now, I'm, you know, focused on doing what I have to do. Because if I can't do it at cruiserweight, then I need to have real conversations with myself about doing it at heavyweight. So that's where I'm at. But we'll see. So what do you make of the mess at heavyweight at the moment with Dillian White and Fury and Joshua and Usyk not announced? It's... Uh... It's, it's a strange old situation, isn't it? Hopefully we'll get a resolution of that in the next few weeks. Obviously, you work very closely and you work with the management team of Anthony Joshua. We're expecting that fight to be announced pretty soon, no? Of who? Uh, to be honest, I'm not so sure about the old um, Dylan White situation and, you know, what's going on there. Um, you know, I just I just think, you know, this is, as, as you said, it's a very... Um, like you know, muddy time to be a heavyweight. You know, um, you know, I think that's probably the the worst that we've seen it. You know, in terms of who's fighting who, what governing bodies, what. But I think that's what happens when it's, it's a world of um, unification and looking for undisputed politics is going to come into play, and everyone's after those multi-million paychecks. When you look at the heavyweight division, I know I'm throwing a head here, and obviously you're you're fighting on yeah. probably the 27th. Um, do you ever envisage you might have a fight with Tyson Fury one day? Yeah, anything's possible. Like, I'm not gunning for any particular person, but anything's possible. That's not a fight that I would shy away from, you know. 
I feel like I have my own um, perceptions of myself. Um, and only time will tell if I'm deluded or if they're accurate. And in my mind, everything I've ever said that I wanted to go on and do, I've managed to do. So I don't see why I can't, you know, um, do what I want to do at heavyweight. Just tell me about this video, sparring video you put out with Dillian White. Is there a bit of a spat going on still? That was years ago, to be honest. Um, but to be fair, that, that's, that's always subtly there. I've kind of put it to the back of my mind. You know, I remember when I was going to box Camacho, you know, I was so, you know, distracted by um, Dillian and South London and all that stuff that, you know, I was taking my eye off the ball and I made a promise to myself that I'm not going to revisit that until I can actually fight him. Um, so that's with a move to heavyweight. That's even now, you know, if I moved up now, me and him wouldn't fight. You know, he's got, you know, a shot at the world heavyweight title and whatever. So I'm quite realistic with my attacks it's all chess not checkers so that's when i just put a pin in if it happens in the future it happens if not it's gonna happen when you heard canelo talking about going up to face a lumber macabre you must have thought yeah you can bust a few shapes with me canelo if you feel like it i'm quite realistic again and i don't think that they would take the fight against me uh, it just doesn't make any sense um would you knock him out then yeah, in my opinion, it would it would be it would be me versus a great light heavyweight slash super middleweight. So he'll have you know the speed advantage and all that, but the reach, the strength, and the power. I think as well as enough boxing IQ to land the telling shots, I'll stop him. It's just I just, like no matter how great someone is, if I got in there with a great small guy, I'm gonna knock him out. So um, well, you know that's just it. Um, and, and finally, um, can I mention one word? Mac Plant. Let me take you back to 2012, London Olympics, the great story of you working at the fast food chain McDonald's and, you know, being whatever it was, four stone, five stone heavier than you are now, working on seeing Anthony Joshua win an Olympic super heavyweight gold and kind of a life changing moment, an inspirational moment. It comes a long way in a decade, doesn't it? That they are now putting out yeah. McPlant and you're <laughs> the face of it. How amazing is that? No, it is amazing. You know, um, a lot of times uh, there's a few people that message, oh, how can you be promoting McDonald's and la, 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 la. And I look at it as a full circle. So for me, it's got more of a spiritual and emotional connection yeah. than like a business connection, you know. Um, that's a place that gave me a job at a, at a time. And at that time, it was important to me. And then now, a decade later, as we said, it's come full circle where they're releasing a burger um, and I'm, you know, the face of it. And, it's, and um, yeah, it's amazing. And there's more to come, you know. You know, I'm actually, you know, I don't want to say too much. I don't know if I'm it, but looking to open up my own McDonald's store and have my own franchise. These are these are the sort of things that I'm, I'm, I'm pushing towards because for me, winning a world title, amazing that's a, a a lifelong um dream accomplished more to do obviously but to be able to say you know what like i was working at mcdonald's at one stage and now i i walk in there as the owner um that would be a full circle moment for me where you know i you know i feel a sense of you know what all those runs that i've done all those punches i've taken you know um all of the 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 the, the, the uh, the negatives that come with the sport, you know, that we, we, we push to the side for the glory, um, I would, I would, it would all make sense. I won a world 
title. I've got some businesses. Um, I worked at McDonald's. I shouted them out. And, you know, now, you know, it's not just sponsorship, it's ownership. So, we'll, um, we'll, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the next couple of years go. Do you know something? The more and more I hear Lawrence O'Coley speak, the more I'm impressed with him. Obviously, he's incredibly improved as a fighter. I mean, I remember me and you, Gareth, being ringside for his fight with Isaac Chamberlain, and both of us were like, oof, well, this is a bit of a tough watch. Are either of these going to go on to something? And Isaac himself has gone on to some uh, better things since that fight, of course. But Lawrence O'Coley in the ring is inc- is incredibly improved under the tutelage of, uh, of Shane McGuigan. But the more I listen to him as a guy, and the way he thinks about life, the way he thinks about business, the way he thinks about just everything that is connected to this game is an impressive individual really impressive individual and he's a he's maybe um, the type of guy that a lot of other fighters should be looking towards as an example of how to conduct yourself outside of the ring and, and make a few quid he doesn't do that that thing about real hype and promotion about himself he does solid he just Every, gets on with it everything he does is solid the the the, the music um, the going back to McDonald's and 10 years later now being a face of McPlant to the plant-based mm. um, burger which I'm looking forward to having I think we should get him in yeah and we let's should get some a, samples uh, man I want a McPlant night in the studio <laughs> why not with Lawrence Coley but the, the, the great thing about him is you know he wrote a book during lockdown yes. didn't he about his life and you know I've known Lawrence a long time and, and there was a time when um you know, when one gives advice to young fighters sometimes, I mean, I remember saying to him, do not change your style. That is your style. Ricky Hatton had his own style. Nassim Hamid had his own style. Muhammad Ali had his own style. Um, Joe Calzaghe had his own style. Those guys didn't... Muhammad Ali went to the Olympics, obviously won in Rome in 1960, but those other three didn't go to the Olympics. You know, Lawrence went to the Olympics, didn't win a medal... But he was inspired. He's an inspired person. He's a giant in the division he's in. I think he can clean up the division. I mean, it was funny, though, him saying he'd knock Canelo out if he challenged him at Cruiserweight. Canelo would never challenge uh, Lawrence Coley. I hope I'm wrong, because uh, we'd all love to watch it. He's going to grow and grow and grow, and he's now got the confidence to say, yeah, I want to fight Dillian White at heavyweight as well. He's grown in all dimensions. For him, I think lockdown and becoming a world champion. He really believed it about himself and he is transformed. And that's what we're seeing, a man transformed. Well, that's the Fight Night podcast for this week. Um, Thanks for listening to myself and Adam Catterall this week. We are delighted, of course, that Fight Night has been nominated in the Sports Podcast Awards. Fingers crossed. Give us your support. Keep listening. You've been listening to Fight Night the podcast with me, Gareth A. Davis, and my colleague, Adam Catterall. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along, and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. 
Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.